was. Oh, you're recording. We're just gonna set it here. Okay, check, check. All right, well, good morning, guys. Let's go ahead and get started. Uh, I don't think anybody can hear me over there, so I'm not even going to attempt to find any stragglers over there. But if anybody's mingling over there and can kind of... There's Steve. I think we got everybody from out there. Are we good to go? Close enough. Close enough. All right. That's what we like to hear. All right, well, good morning, everyone. And uh, special day here in, in men's life, at least for, for me. I mean, I've been a part of this for, for several years now. But... Um, Believe it or not, this is the first men's life where I have not had oatmeal. You can believe that. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, I know things are kind of changing these days, and we all gotta adjust and adapt, and you know, kind of find our way. But I don't know. This one, <laughs> this one could take some time to get over. So, uh, I was thrilled about the berries, though. We still got the berries, so I, I think that'll be a nice compromise. So, thank you to those of uh, those of you who are uh, part of the setup crew. And just all the adjustments and adaptations we've had to make with the, um, I don't know what we've officially classified this as, a, a water freeze. line break, freeze break, okay. Freeze. Yeah, freeze break. So hopefully we'll get that uh, picked up here pretty soon. Uh, happy belated Valentine's Day to everyone. So those of you involved in marriage and romantic relationships, hopefully you uh, took care of things yesterday and are not in the doghouse or anything like that. My wife and I got engaged on Valentine's Day many moons ago, so it's a special time for us, which of course over the years has evolved into, hey, make sure you buy flowers like on Friday because they're going to be way too expensive by the time we get to the weekend or Monday. So just, you know, don't, uh, don't, don't spend too much money. That's, that, was my, that was my Valentine's Day charge. So um, <laughs> as, as things evolve into more practicality, we still find ways to enjoy things. Hey, uh, we've got a lot of um, kind of announcements and some guest announcements to cover today. So we're going to jump right in to uh, a number of things. So I've got uh, the, the nice handy-dandy sheet from Mr. Steve has provided for me. So a couple things. Uh, current situation related to the freeze break. So new arrangement. While work is being done to correct the damage, it has had a big impact on church operations. So we're probably going to be like this for at least this week, maybe the future. We'll see. So appreciate your flexibility. We've had to move some small groups. If you haven't heard already, if you're a part of Alan Williams' group, uh, they're, they're going to meet in the Stephen Ministry Conference Room, which is located right above my head on the second floor. I, I don't I assume that's my head. Is that my head or your head? It's so, so my head. Okay. So right there. All right. So find, find your way up there if you're part of Alan Williams' group. What else do we got? Uh, oh, the best way to get there, out the door, to the east, around the corner, up the red stairs. Don't take the blue stairs, take the red stairs. Okay, up to the second floor. And then we've got uh, Jim Carpenter. I saw Jim here this morning, if you're part of his group. There we go. And, uh, you know, good to see. Uh, all right. Yeah, there we go. Oh, let me just make sure. There we go. Meet in the club room. Okay. Uh, that's Matt below where I meet, so I have to explain how to get there. <laughs> Shoot, I should have read this ahead of time. So over there, uh, kind of in that direction, but on, on the first floor. So part of Jim's group. Good to see Jim on his feet, sort of. That's good. Okay. Uh, trust the surgery went well, and uh, good to have you here. Good stuff. All right. Yeah, he's rolling. That's good. Okay, everyone else is the same. 
Same for groups who meet here. Uh, quick announcement on Lamb's Lunch. I know Braden is not here, but uh, just in absentia, thank you for his service to helping with Lamb's Lunch and his family the other day. Steve reports that, you know, because of the situation with the kitchen, things are going to be a little bit different, but we're going to get back to normal here pretty soon. So those of you who have thought about serving with Lamb's Lunch, whether it's preparation, serving, cleanup, whatever, we could use all hands on deck. There are going to be opportunities in March and in April. And the more you can do to uh, let us know ahead of time, get your name on that list, it just makes things easier for everybody who's in charge of planning so we're not scrambling at the last minute to find people to serve. So great opportunity. Uh, no experience required, no training. Just show up with some helpful hands, and uh, your service will be appreciated. Okay, so that's it from uh, the list of announcements that I need to get through, so I think we should be good to go in that regard. But we've got a couple of guest announcements, so we'll be sharing the microphone this morning. First up is Paul Schultz. I don't know if it's up. There he is. Okay. Uh, he's got an announcement about Samaritan's Purse, great organization. We're going to hear a little bit more about Paul. Mike is yours. All right, thanks. Um, yeah, I just want to give a little pitch for Samaritan's Purse. I've been... Um, volunteering about once a week, um, helping sift some of the, the fire-burned homes. And uh, they're um, kind of in semi-desperate need of volunteers. They have until February 26th, which I think is the end of next week, to get uh, the wor their work done before the county takes over. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, they have four crews ready to go, but I was working yesterday, and they can only send out two because they didn't have enough volunteers. So if you're able to do that, uh, that would be just a great way of showing some love to those, to those victims. The work is definitely physical, but it's not that strenuous. Um, and uh, I guess Steve's going to send, I'm going to send an email to Steve, and he'll forward it out to all of you with all the details. And you're welcome to talk to me if you have any, anything else. And I think that's enough. Okay. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Yeah, I've certainly seen some uh, Samaritan Purses trucks uh, kind of perusing the neighborhood and doing some work. So this is a great opportunity to get involved. I know uh, many of us, and I've, I've talked to people not just here in church but throughout the community that feel a little bit of tension or whatever around finding ways to be helpful. You know, the initial triage is generally over. Uh, Yes, we can donate money, but I think many of us want to find ways to have tangible ways to, to help out. And this is a great way, especially for those of us who want to get outside, use your hands, make a kind of a physical difference in the material conditions of this situation, rather than just kind of writing a check or pushing a donate button on a website, which of course is still very helpful. But this is another lane to travel in for those of you who want to, to, want to help. So make sure you get connected if you want to learn more about opportunities with Samaritan's Purse. Okay, our second and final guest announcer is no stranger to this microphone. We're going to bring up Steve, who said something about introducing his replacement, which I'm confused because since we know Steve is irreplaceable, I don't know if he's just going to introduce yeah. himself or how yeah. that's going to work, yeah. but yeah. we're going to yeah. let him, yeah. let him yeah. uh, explain all that. <laughs> uh, thank you. Well, you may recall that uh, on a Tuesday morning in early November, I got up in the other room and indicated that this would be my last year to do men's life this season, so to speak. So when we're done in March, sometime in March, depending on the kitchen, <coughs> that uh, this would be my, my last year. And I prayed that the Holy Spirit would work in the life of one of you men and um, 
despite rumors to the contrary, my replacement is not going to be a woman. Okay, so I know there were some concerns about that. But uh, anyway, that's, you can dispel those rumors, that's not the case. So, uh, fortunately, the Holy Spirit did work, and uh, there will be a replacement. I do have a replacement, and I will announce that replacement today. So I'm pleased to announce that the replacement is going to be Dave Pasco. Still have your hearing aids? Yeah. Okay. Anybody with hearing aids and a mask know that drill, right? So, so anyway, um, I'd, I'd be surprised if there's anybody here that doesn't know who Dave Pasco is. Okay. But just in case, I'll give you a little bit of a refresher here. So he was an ordained Presbyterian pastor. was a pastor for 30 years. I'm going to switch places with you, All right. just in case I need to refresh my memory here. <laughs> it's easy to uh, he retired in 2014, had a church in Nevada, and moved to Lafayette. And he moved here because he has a daughter and her family who also lived in Lafayette, or was yeah, close to Lafayette. Lafayette. And they moved here in 2015. He started attending, he and his wife Deborah, attending Grace Commons in 2015. And he started coming to Men's Life in early 2016. I found out who he was and his background. And not surprisingly, he ended up teaching 2016, 2017, you know. So welcome to Grace Commons. And then he also um, was one of four teachers in 2018 and 19, no, 19 and 20, right, right before COVID. So he introduced COVID. Um, <laughs> so he, he did that year, and then he's been a substitute teacher when... Mike's been out, so yeah. So he's been. You're familiar with him. Uh, he's been a, ever since he first started in 2016. He's been a member of Mike uh, Mark, Mark Levitrau's yeah. small group the whole time. Even when he's teaching, he's been part of a small group. <clears throat> so why is he such a great fit for being the the director of men's ministry? Well, it's pretty obvious, but a couple things worth thinking about. First of all, his experience as a pastor, uh, he's led men's ministries at other churches, so he has some experience there, done some things that we haven't done, so maybe we'll see some of the benefit of that experience in the time ahead. He's trained as a life coach. Um, you can ask him more about that, but I think you get the idea. So counseling men and people on life experiences and direction. Um, so he's known to all of us. His wife, and this is the thing that I think is the most interesting about Dave, is his multiple connections into Grace Commons Church. His wife, Deborah, is involved in women's ministry and is a sidekick, I believe, to Mike's wife as far as women's ministry. So between the two of them, she may say, have you met so-and-so's husband or have you met so-and-so's wife? So he'll have that strong connection into the... <coughs> To the population of the Grace Commons. His daughter Marie and her husband Matt Emmett 
and their two children, their two grandchildren, um, the children, and they're involved in children's ministry. And I think they were both involved in the Christmas pageant. Yeah. One of them was Mary, Shepherd, and Mary or a king or somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so they're involved there. If you go to the 1030 service, the son-in-law, Matt Emmett, is the last Sunday, for example, was on the drums. Mm -hmm. So there's a demographic connection there for, for that generation. So he has multiple opportunities to connect with the population of Grace Commons, uh, more so than I've had, you know, like I say, his daughter and her family, <laughs> daughter and her family, <clears throat> because of just the demographics of the family being here as well. So it's going to be great, and I'm looking forward to it. I am taking over, for sure, and that'll probably happen around the end of March. So. Yeah. Why don't you say something uh, clever? <laughs> something clever. Um, uh, when I was in seminary, uh, I was at Fuller Seminary, and my home church was in Downey, which is about 20 miles down the road. And I came back to my church one morning, and the pastor who was involved in getting me to Fuller, he said, hey, Dave, you're here. Why don't you stand up and give us two words about your seminary experience? And I stood up, I said, two words? And he immediately said, thank you, sit down. <laughs> so my two words are, thank you, Steve. Um, I, you know he won't fade away, so don't let him. Uh, that's a good thing. Um, and I don't want to take up too much time because Mike has about four hours worth of teaching to, to cram in this morning. Um, one word I want you guys to think about going forward, because we are going forward. You know, this transition will end someday. I understand the mask mandate ends Friday. Amen? Hallelujah? Um, yeah, big time. I'm really sick of this thing. Anyway. The word I want you guys to focus on for the rest of this year and going forward with men's life, but also the life of Grace Commons, flourish. God wants us to flourish. And he's going to remove whatever obstacles are in our way. For instance, masks. Right? So just think about that. Pray about that. See what the Holy Spirit has for us as men in the Spirit, in this church, learning how to flourish in the life of Christ. Amen? Amen. Mike, are you going <clears> to <throat> pray us in? Or? Uh, Mike's capable. You don't need to. You <laughs> just lay it on the camera. <clears throat> wow, that is great news to know we have such solid leadership going forward as it continues in that tradition of the wonderful leadership we've, we've had. So we want to be celebrating all that. Uh, let us open our time in prayer. Lord, you just keep providing. We just are amazed to be able to, uh, to have this place. We can't be in one place. We can be in another beautiful place. Uh, have this building. But more importantly, have these people. Have these men that are here over and over and over because they want to be here. They're committed to you. They're committed to each other. Uh, that Today, Lord, we would just ask to be once again another morning of, of wonderful joy, fellowship, and learning together 
from your word, from your truth. And I just lift this time up now as we do that, as we look to you, as we listen to you. Spirit, lead us, teach us, and strengthen and guide us. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 139, 13 to 14. Amazing verse. We don't have the perspective on our lives. This verse helps us to get us that. God has a perspective on your life and my life, which is so much greater than anything we could ever imagine. Think about what this says. You, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So we think about how we've met Jesus, and we are growing in him now, and what we're learning now But before we were even born, God was dealing with us. Designing us in the womb to be exactly the people he wanted us to be. You and I are no accidents. Not a single one of us is an accident. Even though maybe some people think you have been, or it seemed like maybe the way you were born. Like um, My wife comes from a family with four daughters. And we always, the, the youngest one was, quote, unquote, an accident. <laughs> we always give her a hard time about that. But it's not because she is an accident. It's because we, she's just a wonderful, wonderful gal. And we love to just kid her about that. But a lot of times people think that they're just not meant to be. They're not very valued. They're not very special. Think of that. Think of how God, before we were even created, was preparing us to be created in his image, to live with the strength and qualities and abilities he's given us, all knit together, beginning in our mother's womb, so that we can make a difference for his kingdom. Not just for now, but for eternity. That's the perspective that just blows me away this morning. Because we're so focused again, what the here and now, but from eternity past, God was already thinking of us, preparing us to live now, and preparing us for this even greater future that uh, he's got in store for us. So we shouldn't try to discover our spiritual gifts in isolation from how God created us. We want to open our understanding of who we are in the Lord to see that we are his people, his family, each with a unique part to play in the ministry of God's family. How many of you are familiar with Pastor Rick Warren, Saddleback Church? Okay, you know, should be. And just an amazing guy. I've I've had a chance to spend time with him on a number of occasions. I just really uh, am amazed. One of his gifts is to take scriptures and just make it come alive. You know, purpose-driven life, purpose-driven church, and how much that's affected tens and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in churches. He has a thing called SHAPE. How many are familiar with SHAPE? S-H-A-P-E. All right? Each letter of that acronym, SHAPE, corresponds to a part of our life as God created us. S stands for spiritual gifts. H stands for our heart, our passions, our desires. And these are the things that motivate us. A stands for our abilities, talents, that they complement the spiritual gifts 
the Spirit gives us so we can better accomplish our purpose. P is our personality, and E are the experiences in our lives that help us to develop into the people of God and develop our spiritual gifts to be used in ministry. So you see, all of that we are as God knit and formed us from before we were born and into that womb of my mom's and brought us here today. Everything God is working, using to bring about a greater good of understanding who we are and how we live and serve in his family. What a perspective on life. Wow. So to be effective, when we talk about discovering and using our spiritual gifts, we need to think of spiritual gifts as part of that bigger whole, not as something isolated in and of itself. We use our spiritual gifts in complement to the entire design God has for us. So sometimes in understanding and developing and discovering our spiritual gifts, we need to understand the clues that are the other part of shape, personality, abilities, personality, and experience indicate how we serve and discover our gifts that go with all of that. You see, we excel when our abilities match our passions. We succeed when our experiences teach us how to overcome past failures and learn and grow for the future. We accomplish more when our personality lines up with our skill sets. We focus too much on trying to improve on our weaknesses when God wants us to focus on our strengths. Again, part of this fellowship of man is that your strength takes care of someone else's weakness and your weakness is taken care of by someone else's strength in this body. We are, as a whole, far more important than isolated self. When you think about this, um, how people succeed in normal life, uh, some of the people that have really made an impact on our culture and society, you think of how everything has kind of come together for them, their experiences, their intellect, their motivations. Uh, I didn't realize this, and it was really stunning to find this out, but one very professional and successful cyclist uh, has a heart that's larger than normal. <laughs> when you're driving up those hills, trying to pump those gears, you need a big heart to pump that oxygen. And this person has a slower buildup of lactic acid in his body. Lactic acid is what will just kill a climb when you're biking. You Suddenly your muscles just stop. Combine that with this guy's amazing focus and competitive drive, and you've got a person who won many races. You see, he is actually designed to be a professional bike rider in his physical being and his emotional and, and his stamina. That's no mistake. That's how God designed that person. You think of the Olympians that are going on now and, and their amazing physiques designed. They found how to best use that physique. We need to find how to best use our being as God has created us. So, when we're trying to discover our gifts, we need to think about our latent talents, our developed skill sets, our learning experiences, our passions, our personality, and how they help us to contribute 
to the glory of the church and then think, well, if that's where God is placing me in this family, in this group, this fellowship, then what are the gifts that he might have given me that I can discover that will help me do this in his power, which changes everything. Because his power, his spirit that's brought alongside us today is what's going to enable us, empower us to exceed far beyond what we ever thought could happen. Uh, myself, because uh, I know about the subject a little bit, I have a passion for public speaking. I don't mind being in front of crowds at all. I've always enjoyed that. Um, my studies and all my training have helped me to understand God's word through seminary and through so many different experiences teaching and leading groups and pastoring. I love to immerse myself. I just It's always been a joy since I've been very young to read God's word, to, to study scripture. One of my earliest memories in Sunday school was probably when I was about six years old and I just really loved God's word. Now add all these to how God created and shaped me. He gave me this deep voice which can project in most any kind of situation. And I can understand how God set me up in a way that I can be successful and use spiritual gifts of, of prophecy, speaking God's truth, and wisdom, applying God's truth, that I could serve in his body. That's me. What about you? What does your very shape tell you about who you are and what gifts you can develop and might have? What are your gifts? So I want to, very practical today, I want to give you some steps here to help discover your spiritual gifts. First is, educate yourself about the gifts. And we did this a couple of weeks ago. I gave you a list of the gifts. We talked about them. Uh, I told you the time maybe to mark a couple with some pluses or check marks that might be gifts you have. All right? That's the first thing to do. Uh, list them. Think about them. Begin to pray, asking the Spirit to open your mind which gift you might have. Read books on spiritual gifts. Take a spiritual gift test. After I spoke about that a couple of weeks ago, um, one of you came up to me and was sharing that here at this church there is a spiritual gift discovery kind of seminar that goes on, and there is a spiritual gift test you can take, which will help you to understand those. Great thing to do. Right here. It's already available. Then you need to narrow down that list of possibilities by thinking through what you might have. Because even though it might indicate that on some tests, no test is going to really definitively tell you what your gift is, but it's a good start to begin to understand and discover what your spiritual gifts might be. So as a second step, talk to others that know you well. Again, we are here as part of a fellowship. We don't have to do things alone. So one of the best things to do is to talk to dear, dear brothers in maybe your small group. Today, you could even say, and affirm each other. You know, I see this in you. I see you as a great helper. You have the gift of helps, maybe. Or I hear you as a great listener. Or, or I see you as a tremendous leader in this way. Now, a trusted and wise brother in the Lord can, may have already witnessed the gift that we have, and we just didn't realize it. With that affirmation, it will help us to narrow down to what the gifts may be. Third, 
If you've narrowed it down to some gifts, experiment in ministry with that gift. Give it a try. Just get out there. Do it. Uh, one fellow in our church thought he would be a teacher. One of my churches thought he could be a teacher. Uh, I said, oh, sure, we'll set it up. He, we give him a, a teaching experience. He failed. It wasn't his gift. That's okay. We learn by trial and error so many times in a lot of ways, right? We gave him another gift. That, I mean, we didn't give him a gift. Spirit gave him a gift. We gave him another opportunity to try another gift. And that was very successful. It worked. That gift was empowered. We need to give each other the freedom to fail, right? And try and learn and grow together. Fourth, give yourself some time. Gifts are given in the raw. They're not given completely ready to be mastered. You have to master a gift. You have to learn it. I, I, can, I, I think of like a, a diamond. What would I say? Is there a diamond in the rough? What's that mean? Well, a diamond, when it's first found in the ground, is, is a crystal that's you know, not very attractive compared to what the end result might be of a diamond in a ring or something like that for, for an engagement ring. It has to be cut. It has to be polished. It has to be honed in the, the right way that it can take on that facets of brilliance. Well... I remember the first time I discovered one of my gifts and experienced the Spirit speaking through me, speaking it back way when I was a, a camp counselor. I was about 17, 18 years old. And I gave a thing, and a little talk, and people were amazed. And I'm going, what happened? I didn't know. I didn't understand it. It was great. But I kept trying to do it, and I kept getting better. So now after 55 years, maybe I speak a little better, I hope. <laughs> hope it's getting through. If it's a matter of shining and polishing and crafting that gift, using it. Fifth, once you know your spiritual gift, continue to try to improve it. You can take training. Your gift is not unique. There are others who have that gift. Get together with those kind of people, maybe who've been using those gifts for a while. Learn from them how they use their gifts. Get tips. Look for seminars, books, other helps to develop your skills and talents that complement your gifts to help you understand how to better use your gifts in the ministry settings that you're involved in. Discover ways to mature in your spiritual gifts and your whole shape and how it all comes together. When that all happens, these five ways of developing our gifts then end up in increasing effectiveness and success in ministry. I mean, when you just get to that point where you just realize, yes, this is what God wants me to do. This is how God knit me to be part of his eternal family. Do you realize that of the spiritual gifts, we're going to continue to use them for eternity? There's only very few that will stop being used. Which one can you think of that may not be needed in eternal life? Tongues? Tongues? Okay, maybe. Pastoring. That's a good one. Pastoring? Not necessarily. Pastoring is... I, I disagree <laughs> as a pastor. <laughs> oh, it's not about that. What, is, what does it mean? Uh, what will pastors do in eternal life? That's a great question. We'll have a fun discussion about that. But in one sense, you're right. In another sense, I think there's still something that maybe it shifts over into. But what's one for sure we all know won't be needed? Healing. Healing? Evangelism. And evangelism. Healing and evangelism. Because we won't need healing. We'll be having these amazing bodies. 
And, and there won't be anyone that will need to, to know the Lord because we'll all know the Lord. But the rest we'll continue to use. And uh, so that's something to think about. Developing our gifts now. Again, we're in the elementary school of spiritual life in this life. When we graduate, that shape doesn't go away. So we're discovering that even now. But when we understand how to discover and use our gifts, there are five cautions I want to share with you uh, because it's serious. It's good stuff. It's amazing, but it's also serious. Great respect is needed in handling our gifts, and when they're misused, they can cause a lot of harm. So I want to quickly go through those. First and foremost, um, we want to talk about using the gifts according to what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13. In chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul has shared the lists of gifts that he has there, shared a lot about spiritual gifts, uh, but he immediately, chapter 13, by the way, you know that when Paul was writing, he didn't write chapter 13. <laughs> he just wrote. And not, the, you know, the chapters didn't come till the medieval times? Because this was just a continuing narrative, continuing letter. The verses didn't even come about till like two or three hundred years ago. So sometimes when you're reading these verses, it seems like, why is there a two right in the middle of this sentence? Well, it's because the guy just kind of put them in there. And literally, that's what happened. A circuit writer decided it would be helpful to put numbers in for verses. And as he was going from place to place on his horse, he was putting in the numbers. <laughs> really haphazard. And sometimes it shows. The numbers are not inspired. <laughs> They're just helpful. But the words, they're inspired. So in chapter 13, and really a continuation, right immediately after this, talking about spiritual gifts and how to use them, Paul gives this amazing warning, caution, we need to be careful about with spiritual gifts. Because he'd seen a disturbance when gifts get misused. He writes, verses 1 to 4, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secrets, plans, and I possessed all knowledge, and I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. <coughs> nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So the biggest caution is gifts are meant to be building up the body of Christ, the love we have for God, the love we have for each other. Love is greater than all the spiritual gifts. Love is the reason to use spiritual gifts. Love draws us closer to God and each other. Love magnifies the spiritual gifts. You might have seen some leaders in the church, maybe pastors, who just seem to be able to bring great, amazing messages, but they just don't connect to people. And so, thus they lose a lot of effectiveness because they really don't love their people enough. This is true in any spiritual gift, not just the upfront ones. But as we come alongside... To help people. Maybe you are that great listener. Maybe you are that person who is able to help people in practical ways. Why are you there? To love. To build up. Second concern. The Holy Spirit empowers spiritual gifts within the followers of Jesus. But the reason for that is not to build up that person in their own ego. In their own pride. But to affirm and glorify Jesus. 
when we discover our gifts and our shape and we use it in a way that glorifies God, that's where we find the meaning in our life. If we're not doing that, what we're about is temporary. But if we are doing that, if we're discovering who we are as God created us and shaped us, if we discover particularly our gifts and use them in the power of the Spirit, we are part of something so grand and so amazing. It brings fulfillment in our lives. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one, who can, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Wow. Even to say Jesus is Lord is a working of the Spirit. And I think about that, especially in today's culture. It's hard to talk about Jesus as Lord, isn't it? But when we're given that opportunity... Uh-oh, still there. When we're given that opportunity by the Spirit to speak into someone's life the truth about God and eternal life with Him and joy in meeting now and satisfaction in Him, that's a gift of the Spirit. So we're speaking and looking for those opportunities in the Spirit to present Jesus as Lord. But when we speak contrary to the truth of Jesus, that's not the Spirit. Uh, One of the roles of a pastor is to protect the flock, right? A shepherd? A pastor is a Latin word for shepherd. One of the roles of pastors is to protect the shop from predators, the, the sheep from the predators. And I've had to do that. I've had people who've come into my churches in the past who started sharing what they would call truths that were not biblical, they were not of the Spirit. I've had to call them on it and in times ban them from being part of the church. People will come to you all the time and say, Oh, the Spirit's given me a new word. What does the scriptures tell you to do when someone says that? Be discerning and test the spirits and then really look into the scripture to see if what they're saying is really true. I always encourage people to do that with everything I say. Because everything I say should be in correlation to and completely complementary to the teachings of Jesus the Spirit would give us. If I'm not sharing the truth of the Spirit, the Spirit is, Jesus called the Spirit of Truth, remember, remember. If I'm not teaching that truth, don't listen. Be careful. So if you hear someone say, the Spirit told me, and it's totally outside of the bounds, or even partly outside of the bounds, of what Scripture teaches, it's not of the Spirit. Just be careful. Third, Apostle Paul, throughout his teaching on gifts, emphasizes that we don't choose the gifts we receive. The Spirit chooses the gift for us. Why is that? Again, because of this whole shape thing. The Spirit knows better than us what we need. The Spirit, God, the Spirit, God with us now, is helping us discover how we were formed, how we were shaped. So he knows the exact spiritual gift we need to fulfill that being a person of God in ministry together. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4, we hear there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. The source? The Spirit. Ephesians 11, verse 11, Paul reemphasizes this point. It's the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. 
He alone decides which gift each person should have. And this is a great, really, uh, joy and comfort for us. Because if we have to choose which gift should be best for us, uh, that's another pressure we don't need. We don't know ourselves that well. We're learning who we are. It's great to just relax and say, Spirit, teach me. Show me. What's my gift? Who am I? In Romans 12, 6, Paul affirms, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. It's by His grace that we're saved. It's by His grace we're in His family. It's by His grace we are able to bring glory to His name and serve and lift each other up in ministry. We're to enjoy the gifts we have been given. If we learn what they are, they'll bring great joy into our life. Don't ever look down on your gift. Don't wish you had another gift. People do this all the time. Don't compare yourself with those who have other gifts. None of that is helpful. Your gift fits who you are, and when you discover and use that gift, it brings great joy, and it brings great glory to God. See, it's, it's wonderful to know we're part of bringing glory to God, but isn't it wonderful at the same time the huge benefit we get in joy and meaning and purpose in our lives? It works together. That's the amazing scripture, which is that the more we give our life away, the more we gain it. All right, I'm running out of time. I have to run through this quickly. The fourth caution I want you to think about this morning is you can exercise a gift in a limited way without the power of the Spirit, but it will never have the effectiveness of really letting the Spirit control and lead you and empower you in using that gift. Uh, if I start to use my gift of speaking God's truth in ways that uh, it's just me trying to do it, I'm going to quickly get frustrated. I've learned I'm most effective when I've really submitted that teaching time, that leading time of the Spirit, over to the Spirit. And then it takes all the pressure off me. All right. F- five ways we can misuse spiritual gifts. That's what I'll close with today. Gift glorification. The prizing of specific gifts over others. It's too easy to value. as The public gifts is more spectacular and more important, but they're not. The lesser seen gifts are just as important as such as listening, hospitality, helping. They're all important. <coughs> Secondly, gift denigration. Don't do this. Don't put yourself down or don't put other people down in the gifts they have thinking that they are lesser gifts. There are no lesser gifts. They're all equally important and valuable gifts. Third, gift universalization. Gift universalization is that people think that a certain gift everybody should have. Uh, Now, when you think about this for a minute, we all should be involved in evangelism. But not all have the gift of evangelism. We should all be faithful, but not all have the gift of faith. We should all be helpful and listen to others, but not all are the gift of helping and listening. We are all to carry out those ministries as best we can, But those who have those specific gifts can really lead us in doing all those things. But turn that around and then teach that we're all to have, say, the gift of speaking in tongues is not true to what the scripture teaches. Not all have the gift of tongues. Not all have the gift of discernment. We need those gifts in their right places. We need to, again... Spirit teaches and gifts according to the way Jesus and his word and the truth of God 
shares with us the teaching of the Bible. Fourth, gift individualization is using spiritual gifts for personal glory. I think that uh, we understand that the more we turn inward and become selfish, uh, the less the Spirit can use us and the less the Spirit can empower our gifts and our shape. Gift wasting is the lack of using or misusing any spiritual gift. This is the neglect or ignorance of spiritual gifts. And my friends, let me just say this quickly. I believe this is why many churches in America today and in the world are impotent. Because we're wasting, ignoring, and misusing the great gifts the Spirit wants to give us. Why do some churches really start making a difference? They open their ministry, their lives, to what the Spirit's doing. And then, amazing things happen. Alright. 1 Peter 4, 10-11 to to close. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Do you have speaking gifts? Or two, if anyone serves, do you have serving gifts? They should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Let me send you off to your groups uh, to talk about this with this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you give us, through your spirit, spiritual gifts that mean we are empowered to do over and above anything we thought we could do. That we are enabled to carry out a task that we, without your help, cannot carry out. But when we realize, Spirit, you are with us, God with us now, then we have a strength, a power, a wisdom, an ability, gifts to do things we never thought we could do. To unite us, to propel us to greater glory in your name, to bring about people to know the wonderful joy of life with you for eternity. Thank you, Lord, for this great opportunity to discover our gifts and use them to your glory and our joy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hope you can find your room.